5: And greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth and justice, believers in peace, freedom in the American way. And I hope life is good for you, wherever you may be, or you can find some part of it that is good, that's really worth paying attention to. We've got a lot to talk about today. Uh, Later on in the program, I want to get to why Merrick Garland is protecting Bill Barr. This is like, there's a whole lot of people seem very confused about this. It's a, this is a very simple answer to it. We'll get, we'll get to that. We have a guest, Ashley Woodward Henderson, on why police reform is needed, how important is civilian oversight, how do we get there, and which is kind of a bookend to the rant that I'm going to start in just a minute here. But I want to start out with two major questions. The second one, which I'll get to after the break, is if Trump is actually indicted, how do you think that's going to play out? I mean, are the maggots going to be in the streets? Is it going to strengthen him? Is it going to destroy him? What happens when they indict his kids? Will this be the end of our long national nightmare, or will it just be the beginning, of a whole brand new one? So we can talk about that. But I want to start out with the piece that I published over at HartmanReport.com, and it's titled America's Cops Are Having Their Harvey Weinstein Moment. And, the, you know, the essence of what I'm saying here, and I, th- I think this is a really important point for all of us to get, and as observers of culture, and we should all be observers of culture, you know, we, we should be paying attention to what's going on around us, not just in the little day-to-day stuff and the, oh, look at this story, or so-and-so said this, but, you know, this larger view, but uh, putting things in the context of days or weeks or months or years or decades or generations or centuries I mean cultural change cultures are very resistant to change typically cultures are organized the way that they are because it benefits either the majority of people in the culture which is how it's supposed to work in a democracy or it benefits the people who control the culture now in a democracy that should be the majority of the people it's sadly not in America anymore and hasn't been for about 20 years. You know, I wrote a book about this, the hidden history of American oligarchy. You know, it should be. And that's one of the reasons why I think culture in America is changing as rapidly as it is. But to finish that sentence, cultures either change because the majority of people like the way things are because they derive some benefit from it, or because the people who control the culture like the way things are and they derive some benefit from it and that was very much the case with for example harvey weinstein i mean this whole thing of the casting couch right Uh, this is you know this was his defense oh women just want to have sex with me because i'll put them in the movies there's nothing wrong with that that's just transactional there's a new book out about lucille ball And uh, Larry Gatlin wrote a review of it, and he he quotes, more or less, from the book, or paraphrases. She eventually, Lucille Ball, I love Lucy, eventually found work as a model, and as she sought acting roles, received advice from Lila Rogers, mother of her good friend Ginger Rogers, as of Frada Stare and Ginger Rogers, right? That she would later follow. And Lila's advice was, quote, if you want to be to a woman, if you want to be a star within two years, get auditioned on the casting couch, and then Lila Rogers goes on to say, "That's the advice I gave my own daughter. That's how Ginger Rogers got into, into the movies." So that was the norm, right? And that was the norm from from the nineteen from 1900 when movies, you know, were really just starting to take off, and you know, silent movies up until the 1920s, and then and then talkies, and then, you know, whatnot. That, that whole c- casting couch thing, you know, the, the Harvey Weinstein um, saying, hey, it's just, you know, this is the way it is. I mean, Louise and I were watching it, Cagney and Lacey the other day. This is from 1986. And there was a movie star, in quotes, you know, a, 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 an actor playing the role of a fancy movie star who came through the police station. And one of them turns to the other, Cagney and Lacey, one of them turns to the other and says, uh, she slept with a producer. You know, in other words, you know, what's she's incompetent. What's she doing in the movies? Well, all that changed just in the last five years. I mean, it completely changed and it didn't just change in the movies. We discovered that there was a casting couch culture in TV, that there was a casting couch culture on public radio. We discovered that it was going on in corporate America. It was going on right across the board, and it's no longer considered acceptable. And that's a really rapid change. I mean, you could say that you know, had you pointed it out ten or fifteen years ago, people would have said, "Well, that's not good," but it's genuinely not acceptable now. That's how rapidly culture can change when there's a consensus that that change is necessary. Are the way that we use language, the way you know, our specific laws. So. What I'm saying is that, oh, and by the way, you know, putting Harvey Weinstein in jail was just phase one because he was the, the, the rapist in this. Phase two was holding people accountable who were doing business with him and not just him. You've got, you know, executives all over the country who, you know, knew what was going on with a wink and a nod. We saw a lot of this at Fox News and they got fired, too. Bill Shine is out, for example. Ended up in the Trump White House, because he was just, "Eh, that's all good. So I think the same thing is happening with cops right now. Police have been killing, abusing, torturing, for their own pleasure, poor people, black people, a whole variety of minorities, uh, gender minorities, and raping women with impunity, probably for as long as there have been police. And America is now saying no. And a lot of the rest of the world is on board with us on this. Down in El Salvador, they just found eight graves in the backyard of a cop. And the whole country is just bet out of shape. I mean, it's a national scandal. The murder of the pol- by the police of George Floyd didn't just trigger a movement in the United States. It triggered a movement around the world. And basically, the movement is that, you know, just like with the Me Too movement, you know, women are sick and tired of being used. Now the Bad Cops movement, you know, hashtag Bad Cops has gone international. And, you know, I mean, as we're learning about this two-year cover-up of these murderous Louisiana cops, and increasingly, we're hearing calls to not just put the cops in prison for the rest of their lives for murder, but to put their supervisors in jail and maybe to put the chief of police in jail. And if the attorney general knew about this, to put the attorney general in jail. I mean, come on, these guys beat, tased, hogtied with chains and brutally dragged Ronald Green to his death. Yesterday, the story was over at the top of Raw Story. I, I put a link to it in my piece in HartmanReport.com uh, about a Texas cop who was off duty, out of uniform, off duty, Got cut off in traffic by a woman making a U-turn because she was trying to get to the hospital. She was black. He jumps out and shoots her. Shoots her. Why? Because he can. Cops have been shooting black people and getting away with it for centuries in this country. So now we've got this serious possibility of police reform with the george floyd policing uh, justice and policing act and who's opposing it the republicans why do you think that is frankly i think that they're just they're just fine with cops terrorizing women and black people after all they don't want the voting either
4: this is the Tom Hartman program.
5: In fact, the more the cops can terrorize them, the more, you know, the, these 10,000 poll watchers they're trying to get to, to intimidate people. How many of them are going to be in uniform? Jim in St. Augustine, Florida. Hey, Jim, what's on your mind today?
2: You mentioned a movie I saw just the other day. It's called Freedom on My Mind okay. about the Freedom Riders downtown in the, in Mississippi. Oh, in the sixties, yeah. These are the children of those characters. Hmm. In a lot of ways, I mean, if you look at it from the police position reports. Oh, you don't know, I mean literally. You mean you said, mean metaphorically? Well, metaphorically, but yeah. but basically, we've been here before.
6: mm Hmm.
4: Would you agree? I absolutely
2: agree. I've seen this. This this is 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 the
1: third time I've seen this
5: wheel crank in my lifetime, Jim. I think, though, this time it's going to stick.
2: Well, let's see. But uh, I'd like to. I mean, I just promote that. I mean, that there just lights up fire. I mean, well, I mean, look look what happened as a consequence of the Freedom Riders. You got the
5: Civil Rights Act and you got the Voting Rights Act.
2: Exactly, exactly. And I don't want to use all of your time, but if you mentioned that. This, like I said, things are getting sticky. Would you agree?
5: I do, and that was the point of my op-ed yeah.
2: this morning: is that exactly. people are yeah, saying I'll, I'll enough? Is enough? Get, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, truly. But the prices that were paid and the, the the camaraderie was put together at that time, and the media, what they do today versus what they were allowed to get away with before, mm-hmm. and all of these bodies that are buried everywhere, you know, in a historical sense. This is, this is very familiar. Would you agree? And then, yeah. th- then that's, that's all I have to say.
6: Yeah, I no, I, you yeah. I, th- I, th- I think you
5: I think he said it well, Jim, and, and, and I'm with you. Thank you for the call. Mark in Valley, Washington. Hey, Mark, thanks for watching Free Speech TV. What's on your mind today?
4: Well, good morning. I got a comment on both your topics. Okay. First, Malcolm Nance's new book is about the, uh, I don't know what the title is, because I don't know if he has a title yet, but it's about the upcoming Trump insurgency. Okay. according to him, he's been listening to the chatter about all these right wing hate groups online. And if Trump gets arrested, it's going to get ugly.
5: You know, I suspect that that may well be the case.
4: And when it comes to the police and the Republicans, they both answer to the same people. They're they're both acting exactly how the plutocrats and the power brokers that run everything want them to act.
5: Well, and I would take it a step beyond that. They're also acting in the context of a culture that grants, largely, grants impunity to white men. And most of the cops who are doing this kind of abuse are white men. And so you know, you've it. taken their, their natural white privilege and slapped a, you know, an additional layer
4: on it, and mm-hmm. they're strutting around. And I get asked all the time why I have a problem with police forces, and my pat answer is, They've been on the wrong side of every right social issue since their inception.
5: Well, that's a good point. The reason why I wouldn't specifically say that's an indictment of police is because the job of police is to defend the existing law, which is always the old order. And so what the movement is doing is it's trying to change that existing law to some new order. But the cops are defending the old order. So, you know, in a way, they're the most conservative instrument agency within our entire Realm of government, but they're always want to give up the power. Yeah, no, I I get that. If we're talking about the cops themselves, about things like internal investigations and stuff like that, I totally get that too. Mark, I think you're right on all your points. Thanks a lot for the call. It's good to hear from you. Stick around. It's the Tom Hartman program, speaking truth to power, right here. So the, uh, the, the second issue I wanted to throw on the table here for today is this question of what happens if Donald Trump gets indicted. And somebody noted that Malcolm Nance has been talking about how he's writing a new book on, you know, on the right and the rise of the fascist right, essentially. Malcolm's a good guy, and he's a, good, he's a brilliant investigator and understands these issues, you know, between multiple pieces of his life, his experience, including his work as an intelligence officer. And this caller, this person who contacted the program said that Malcolm had said, and I'm guessing this was on TV or maybe on Stephanie Miller's show, he's a regular on her show, that if Trump is indicted, the maggots are going to go nuts. All hell is going to break loose. They're going to be in the streets. You know, you're going to see something that looks like an insurgency. You know, God only knows, but get ready, right? If, if Trump gets indicted, you know, just get ready, because here come the maggots. And I think that that's a possibility. I think, on the other hand, there's a very real possibility that tr- if Trump gets indicted, and it looks like we may be within weeks of this. And keep in mind, down in Florida, you've got Broward County, where Trump lives, I'm, I believe, where, where Mar-a-Lago is located their town council is having meetings about what to do if Trump is being extradited and Ron DeSantis the governor has had meetings about whether or not he has the ability to refuse an extradition request from New York State or New York City whether it's uh, Leticia James the attorney general for New York State or whether it's Cyrus Vance the district attorney for the city of Manhattan and now you've got other jurisdictions as well I mean, there's there's federal crimes that Trump has apparently committed that are being looked into or that he might have committed, as well as uh, crimes that occurred within the District of Columbia. So you've got four, uh, to the best of my knowledge, four different essentially uh, prosecutorial agencies looking into, his, in, into him. And that doesn't include, you know, the possibility of congressional investigations. That doesn't include the FBI and the Justice Department reevaluating. Their non-decision, which is what I'm going to get into later in the program, you know, why Merrick Garland appears to be covering up for Bill Barr, their non-decision about prosecuting Donald Trump for 10 instances of obstruction of justice where he was trying to cover up the fact that he was coordinating with Russia, or at least his campaign was coordinating with Russia to determine which states the millions of dollars of Facebook posts should be inserted into to try to discourage Hillary Clinton voters from voting. And it was an effort that was successful, by the way. I mean, I, 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 I don't know why more people in the media are not just coming out and saying this, but if Paul Manafort, who used to work for Russian oligarchs and Russian-associated oligarchs, if Paul Manafort had not been handing this polling information off to Russian intelligence and, and they had not been helping coordinate a campaign through the Internet Research Bureau or, or whatever it's called there, You know whether it's the government or whether it's oligarchs i'm not sure you know it matters much don't know but to identify using zuckerberg's fantastic technology they could identify okay we want black people in wisconsin or we want white middle class voters in wisconsin who have both voted for republicans and democrats in their in their past and sending them ads and they they, in one of these ads they did like over 5,000 different versions of it and tested them all in one day, and we have not one example of any of them. All this was below the radar, sending these ads largely to black people in those five states in Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and uh, whatever the fifth one was, and saying, you know, with the Hillary Clinton super predator clip, which really hurt her in the black community. And so those folks just didn't bother to show up and vote. As Mark Pocan has pointed out on this show, I, there was 200,000 fewer Democratic voters in 2016 rather than there were in 2012 for the re-election of Obama. And that was that community by and large. And it was because they were the target of a, a Russian disinformation campaign. And probably ones from you know coming out of North Korea, Saudi Arabia, uh, the one country we're pretty sure actually didn't interfere in this election was China, of all things. But in any case, or in the 2016 or the 2020 elections, I think they just didn't want the blowback. They're just too busy making money. But the question, if Trump gets indicted, is this going to help him or hurt him? I think you could build a really good case that if the, the indictment is really strong, and if it's something that every American can understand, and if they come out and say in plain language what it is, that it'll hurt him badly. On the other hand, if you get some prosecutor out there using legalese and talking about weird technical things like, you know, mispriced asset allocations, then I guarantee you the maggots will be up. So where do we go with this? How do we respond to it? What are you expecting to have happen? And do you think that the Republicans will ever come around and say, yeah, maybe we should do something about killer cops? Experience chef quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman, the two N's, or enter the code Hartman, the two N's, before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman.
3: Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. So
5: we've been talking about culture changing and how rapidly it can change. And I mean, sometimes it takes literally centuries. Sometimes it just takes years. And I think the the whole Harvey Weinstein thing is is an example of how, and the Me Too movement is an example of how rapidly culture can change when it hits a critical mass. And I am hopeful that we are approaching that critical mass when it comes to the way that we do policing in this country, our police having evolved out of, mostly in the United States, having evolved out of the old slave patrols and still behaving like that's who they think they are. So what police reform is needed? How important is civilian oversight? How do we get there? On the line with us is Ashley Woodward Henderson, the co-executive director of the Highland Center and an activist with the Movement for Black Lives, m4bl.org is the Movement for Black Lives, HighlandCenter.org is their website. And Ashley, welcome to the program. I, what are your thoughts on those issues that I just laid out?
3: Thanks for having me, Tom. I mean, I feel very, very clear that the United States is spending lots and lots of money on a system that does not work, right? That What we've seen over the last you know, several centuries of black liberation movement is folks fighting for the abolition of, of policing in this country, the end of the punitive bureaucracy that comes with policing and mass incarceration in this country. Um, And so I stand in solidarity with all of the 26 million plus people last year who stood in the streets, um, who went to the ballot boxes and said that they were voting for a a change uh, for us to actually practice what we preach around liberty and justice for all that includes seeing a world where we divest from these, these punitive bureaucracies and into equitable, sustainable and healthy communities um, standing with folks who are supporting the Breathe Act, right, fighting for uh, a shift in the federal mandate around how we actually invest in our communities and, and start to divest uh, from systems that are actually harmful. So um, I stand in solidarity with folks that are seeing that we can radically reimagine public safety in this country um, and that if anybody that believes in racial justice sees otherwise uh, an opportunity for, for a deep discussion about what liberation for black people in this country could look like.
5: Yeah, I stand with you in all of that. Let's talk about some of the specifics. I mean, you know, we we have to have, or you know, please feel free to disagree with me on this, but it seems like you have to have somebody that you can call if you know somebody's trying to break into your house, you know, or some road rage incident, and you get shot at in the street by some crazy person, and I don't mean literally crazy. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There there has to be some way to enforce the laws, and so you know, we could call that something other than policing, but, you know, if, if we get into too much academic speak, we lose basically access to the mass of people, you know, who are right. going to be necessary for change. So what are the specifics that you would suggest? I, you know, I have my own list, but you're the expert here. Where do we start with police reform? I mean, for example, one of my things is it's in our constitution, That the military has, I mean, it doesn't lay this out, but they did in the debates back in 1787, that the military has a tendency to create an insular culture that is separate from civilian culture, and out of that insular culture, militaries tend to overthrow governments. And therefore, in the United States, the Secretary of Defense who runs the military must be a civilian. And, in fact, the, the one non-civilian that Trump put in required, you know, basically an exception to the law, and, you know, to be approved by Congress. And that the president, who's, the, who's in charge of the, the person in charge of the military has to be a civilian. Why not have civilians in charge of police departments all across the country? Why not mandate that? Or is that one of the least important or one of the most important, I mean, on the spectrum of solutions, where what, what, what's on your list?
3: Yeah, I mean, speaking personally, I would say that it's time out for putting platinum band aids on the gaping wound of harm created mm-hmm. by policing in this country. Right? Is that we've we've tried piecemeal reforms through body cameras and training, um, even through things that I've demanded, like community oversight committees. Um, Etc. And we've seen that not actually stop police violence in Black communities. And I want to be clear: not even just Black communities, Indigenous communities, Latinx communities, working class communities of white folks, uh, rural communities, urban communities alike. Right. So sure. I want to I want to make some of the absurdity obvious, and then I, and then I want to answer really specifically what we're seeing uh, solutionaries do on the grassroots level. Great. We have four uh, minutes by the states way. And, Absolutely. So I want to be clear. We're spending $348 billion annually on federal, state, local spending, on policing, on courts, on corrections, on the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security, right? To make it obvious about how absurd that is, how much $348 billion annually is, you're, that's more than mass transit and rail, affordable housing and urban development, fire services and libraries combined. So effectively, the United States taxpayer is spending $955 million a day on ineffective, ineffective police services, right? And so the, the alternative here is to actually be clear that mental health services are not provided by police officers, oh, right? Things that could get us a 1,000 miles ahead of the harm, like mental health services, like making sure that we've got traffic services that don't require people with guns, right? There's so many other alternatives to police services uh, that we could that we could actually be implementing and that, quite frankly, folks are implementing on the ground. We could use the savings from defunding the police to make our streets safer, more user-friendly. Uh, we could expand public transportation services, infrastructure for bikes, pedestrians, and other methods of transportation. What we know is that violent crime is not diminished by policing, right? And so we could actually be figuring out what are the ways that we could be investing in in community services that get us a thousand miles ahead of the harm versus you know, just continuing to dump money into the service of policing, which usually doesn't stop harm, but responds to it and tends to escalate violence uh, in in a community crisis. So frankly, I think there's a lot of examples of folks that on the ground are doing incredible work that are defunding the police and investing it into actual community solutions. And you can go to defundthepolice.org to see many, many, many of those solutions in practice.
5: Great, great. And, 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 uh, you know, this is all important stuff. How, in what communities do, do you have like a model community that you can point to and say, you know, here, here's, here's a group of people who did it right, whether inside or outside the United yeah. States?
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I want to shout out that there are folks literally all up and down the continent that, that are doing this work. Uh, so comrades in, in Canada and Montreal and Regina and Toronto that have been experimenting with demands and strategies uh, to, to defund the police. Uh, all across the South, I want to shout out uh, folks like Spirit House in Durham, North Carolina, who have been creating harm free zones to talk about not only what harm is happening in their communities, but how to respond to those harms without including the carceral state. Uh, folks in Miami, Florida, in Nashville, Tennessee, the, the Black Lives Matter movement there, and the folks that have been doing the, the Nashville People's Movement Assemblies and people's budgeting processes to figure out participatory budgeting ways to take from police and use it in community solutions. Uh, there's so many. If you go to interrupting criminalization, you could see a defund the police toolkit uh, that names many, many folks across the country that are doing this work.
5: We're talking with Ashley Woodward Henderson. We have uh, about a half a minute left, Ashley. It seems to me that um, the one of the main drivers of crime is poverty. Shouldn't that be at the top?
3: Absolutely. Right. And I think that what we know is that particularly for black folks who are disproportionately impacted by police violence, that we don't live single issue lives. Right. And that the intersection of race and, and class exploitation are are definitely impactful in our communities and that's why we wrote the vision for black lives policy platform that's why we wrote the breathe act right As as legislative love letters back to the communities that were in the streets demanding divestment from the police so we actually cannot separate race and class struggles in this country and 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 should it.
5: amen ashley woodward henderson uh the co-director of the highland center activist with the movement for black lives which website ashley would you like to direct people to
3: Absolutely. Check out the Highlander Research and Education Center at highlandercenter.org and the Movement for Black Lives at m the number fourbl.org.
5: Perfect. Hang on just a second.
4: The
3: Tom Hartman Program.
5: Ashley, thanks so much for dropping by. It's been great talking with you.
3: Thanks so much for having me, Tom. I appreciate it.
5: My pleasure. Here on the Tom Hartman Program. Taylor Morgan Lowell is on the line. Hey, Lowell, what's on your mind today?
0: Hi, Tom. I wanted to ask why the squad has not proposed repealing the USA Patriot Act. I can't now, speak for the squad, uh, Lowell. The entire purpose of the USA Patriot Act was to stop terrorism, correct?
5: Well, no. I think, you- I think the purpose of the USA Patriot Act was to massively shift power in the United States out of civilian hands and into the... Into the uh, into the police agencies of the Department of Defense and and the Department of Homeland Security,
0: but the the entire purpose uh, of the Patriot Act By uh, the was to stop terrorism. Well, that was that was how it was sold uh, they're, to calling 6th, and J- they're calling January six and they're calling January six terrorism. Right now, uh, the USA Patriot Act was completely ineffective at stopping uh, the January six incident. So
5: well, that shows. Hang on just a second, Lowell. There's there's all this data that we're now getting uh, from the metadata from the phones of who was doing what and where, and a lot of it's been used in the prosecutions, and a lot of it's being used to tie together several of these right wing white supremacist groups as basically leaders of those of that movement. And I could be wrong, but I believe it was the Patriot Act that allowed that collection of meta- metadata now i'm i was opposed to that at the time and i'm i'm still very ambivalent about it but you
0: but, know, but but since it you. was completely ineffective it since it was i'm sure it was completely ineffective, ineffective is my
5: point i'm just i, I just think the, sure, the patriot act the is going after happened. a fly with a shotgun
0: right but the incident happened so why right. didn't they use that as leverage to fund the capitol police say hey you guys can have extra money as long as we get our Fourth Amendment and Fifth Amendment rights back, because the Patriot Act violates each of those.
5: Yeah. Uh, Lowell, by the way, ten Democrats, including everybody in the squad who was in Congress at the time, voted against authorizing the Patriot Act. Just FYI. I don't think saying you know the Patriot Act obviously, in my my opinion, needs to be massively rewritten, if not if not done away with. It was it was you know foisted upon us. It was a dream. It was a wish list for the neocons and had been for years and years and years. And then it got dumped on us after 9-11 as if it was like some brand new written thing. It wasn't. It had been around for quite a while. Um, But uh, the reason, as I said earlier, the whole point of the Patriot Act was to shift power away from legislative bodies and away from the people and toward a, a more centralized federal government and the police agencies therein. When Donald Trump was president, he was in charge of those agencies. And so his guy, Christopher Miller at the Department of Defense, said, no, you may not have the National Guard. You know, it was his people who helped, I believe, set this thing up uh, on January 6th. It was his people who controlled the investigation of it right up until January 21st. And frankly, I think his people are probably some of his people are still there. And so it's not the Patriot Act. It's, uh, I mean, you could argue that, that we shouldn't have been shifting power like that, um, but it's the abuse of power, and I am hopeful that uh, Trump and his buddies are held accountable for it. But I, you know, I, I I get what you're saying, but this is not about you know something that a particular group of legislators need to do. This is, this is a much bigger issue that has to do with the the future viability of our republic. I mean, that's that's why that's why I wrote that book about American oligarchy. This is we are standing at that moment. Welcome back. Tom Harbin here with you and, uh, you know, just some thoughts on Donald Trump. Is it possible? I frankly think it's highly likely. I think what has happened is that the Garland uh, Department of Justice has been told by the Biden administration, we are not going to politically interfere in anything. That's what Trump did. And it was wrong. That's what Nixon did, using his Department of Justice to go after and and the IRS to go after his political enemies. That is wrong. And we are not going to do that. So you, Merrick Garland, and you, Department of Justice, whatever you guys think is best, do it. And ditto Letitia James, Cyrus Vance, whoever you oh, And and let us not forget the prosecutor down in, uh, I forget if it's Cobb County or if it's the whole state. I think it's the whole state of Georgia. Uh, this, the Georgia attorney general who's going after Trump for, for corrupting that election, for calling up the secretary of state and saying, I need you to find me 10,000 votes, please. So I personally think it's an empty threat. And I also think that as these crimes become more and more obvious, particularly now we're talking about financial crimes, mostly that he's going to be indicted for, um, you know, bank fraud, tax fraud, things like that. But I think as his crimes against democracy become more visible, but as his crimes against democracy become more apparent, maybe it's time to deport the whole damn family. All right. Let the Trump crime family move to Belarus. They'd be very happy there. Lukashenko would love them. Right. Hey, yeah, billionaires together. It's amazing. So anyhow a lot on the table between cops and trump and all this kind of stuff and let's talk about it chaz in lakewood washington hey chaz what's on your mind
7: so here's the deal i'm gonna get uh, serious i uh think that when it comes to police prejudice bias that uh people at a local level can do something about that i hope turn this in kind of a dialogue between you and me case you have questions i did it as the chair of the public safety advisory committee for the city of Lakewood, I'm going to name names, and we've got kind of a, a George Floyd situation microcosm here, mm. where uh, a officer by the name of Mike Wiley did shoot an unarmed uh, man, man by the name of Said Walken. Uh, and and so I did an article. I've been following up. Uh, I've been kind of keeping the light shine shown on uh, this situation here. I could go a hundred different ways, depending on the, which uh, angle you want to take.
5: So, well, first of all, Lakewood, Washington, has uh, citizen control of their police department? That's very rare.
7: No, sir. No, that is not the case. No. Okay. Uh, the Public Safety Advisory Committee, I hate to say it, is toothless, and it almost oh, it's advisory addresses police activity. It's advisory, and i tell you what, Tom, I, I've been kind of holding this in my back pocket. I'm on the verge of creating a police accountability committee that is not, and doesn't have anything to do with the city. But, uh, uh, you know, I'm gathering a packet of information of uh, missteps that the police has had in the past. I've written an open letter to the uh, chief, and I consider him a mentor, a friend. I think he is a very capable officer. But let's face it, yes, in the apple barrel, sometimes you're going to get a few loose cannons.
5: Well, and here's the problem. If you even have one loose cannon and everybody covers up for him, they're all complicit in the crime. Um, Chaz, one of the points that I I make in my op-ed this morning and that I I didn't really have time to mention in the first block was that when the country was founded, you know, at the very beginning of the United States, um, the the people who put together the Constitution came right out and said basically two things. Um, Number one... Military-style organizations, whether they be militias or whether they be the army, cannot have military command at the very top because they create insular, inward-looking cultures that can be a threat to democracy, quite frankly. I couldn't tell you. And therefore, all the the, uh, National Guards are under the control of the governors, and all of the military is under, under the control of the Secretary of Defense, who is required by law to be a, a civilian. We, you know, there, there was General Mattis. It took, an, it took a, literally, they had to create an exception for him. And then the Secretary of Defense is under the command of the President, who is also a civilian. We have never had an acting general as a, you know, you had Grant and you had Eisenhower, but they were both retired. So they have to be civilians. So we should do the same thing with cops. And in fact, George Washington, in his farewell address, said this. He said, the very idea of the power and the right of the people to establish government presupposes the duty of every individual to obey the established government. In other words, no man is above the law. No person is above the law. Trump is not above the law cops are not above the law. Back to you, Jess. One of
7: the things you and I disagree about is uh, uh, career politicians, because what happens at a city level is you get people who have to say, oh, we have complete trust in the uh, police, despite the fact that they had a $15 million settlement against them. I can tell you, I've been in a couple of different apartment complexes where SWAT teams have come in overpowering and in one case, they took the white guy away in handcuffs. But in other instances around the city, black men, perhaps all of these folks have mental issues, were shot and killed. Yeah,
5: yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a big issue. And uh, I, I think step one, and I don't know if, uh, you know, I, I don't know how you would go about doing this in Lakewood, Washington, Chaz, but I think step one is to say the police are no longer going to be, the command structure of the police the very top of the command structure of the police is now going to be a civilian or a group of civilians, rather than a person, a police chief, a person who worked his way up through the ranks or you know whatever. Um, we want civilian oversight of police, just like we have civilian oversight of our military. I think it's just a yeah. basic principle. So how would you make that happen in your city? It Would it be a proposal? From, from the city yeah, council? let me give
7: you an example. Lakewood has the Public Safety Advisory Committee, and I swear to God, just a couple of years ago, these guys were talking about how to corral shopping carts. But in Seattle, they've got three different committees that are concerned with uh, uh, police affairs. And I think that we need to get, you know, a little more uh, aligned down that yeah.
5: direction. Here in Portland, what we've done is put the mayor in charge of the police department. He is, he is the head of the police bureau. It's called the police bureau. So the well, mayor is have, the ultimate yeah. authority, and he is a civilian. He's not a cop. And
7: uh, it, every mayor is head of the and, police uh, department.
5: Yeah, and certainly we have problems with our cops here in Portland, but I think that that has helped tremendously. Chess, I got to move along. I'm sorry, Rachel in Bloomington, Minnesota. You got a quick one here, Rachel. I have a minute left. What's up?
3: Um, yeah, so I grew up most of my life in Minneapolis, mm-hmm. and 30 years ago, I remember driving by the Cup Foods with my friend, mm-hmm. and she was like, "This hood is out of control," because police had like four juveniles up against the car, uh, patting them down. It appeared for no reason at all. Yeah. Now I live in Bloomington, and the, the police here, it's like a night and day difference, because we have something here called Citizens Academy, where the citizens are involved, and the police here are so much better. So you have civilian oversight of your cops? Yeah. Wow. And we're, and we're involved, and it's it closely involved with the Neighborhood Watch as well. Mm -hmm. And so we go on ride-alongs we know what they're doing There's, i mean we're in communication with them all the time and minneapolis has always been corrupt as hell and it will be until they follow the bloomington model
5: yeah and bloomington minnesota that's great rachel thank you for that thank you for the tip on that i i will have to do a little more research i appreciate the call thank you so much for also for listening to ktnf there in minneapolis it's the tom Hartman program the place where despair is not an option
4: You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. Back with
5: more of your calls in just a moment. Stick around. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. With higher expenses on materials, employees' distribution and borrowing, everything costs more. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman.
1: CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you.
5: and welcome back Mary in St. Louis, Missouri. Hey Mary, what's on your mind today?
1: Hi, Tom. I um I've had this ideal for a while. You know how you always hear about the police getting sued because they violated people's rights and mm-hmm. that money always comes out of the taxpayers' money. And I think and I don't know how we can make it happen, but if we can to instead of that coming out of the taxpayers' money, take that out of the pensions. We take that out of police pensions the good cops are gonna get rid of the bad cops
5: well I, I think you could even do it more direct the problem with taking it out of the pensions is that the pensions are negotiated and guaranteed so the city is just gonna have to figure out a way to put it back into the pension fund and then it just becomes kind of us you know uh, 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 a merry-go-round but what you do is you say it's just like with uh, with with doctors you know if a if, uh, if, if a doctor you know cuts off the wrong leg you know because of because they screwed up Or if a doctor is malicious, I mean, you know, you've got that guy at the university or Michigan State University who's abusing all those uh, gymnast girls. Um, If you, when a doctor does something wrong, they individually have to pay, and the only protection that they can have against that is to buy insurance. And if there is any indication that they might be the kind of the kind of doctor who is going to be a liability of the insurance company. Guess what happens to those insurance rates? We should be doing the same oh, thing with cops. High. Right. We need to do I, away I with qualified immunity. And after a cop has beat up a couple of people, it's going to start costing them 20, 30,000 bucks a year to get insurance instead of $300 a year. And you're, and that person's never going to work in policing again. That's
0: a that's fabulous idea, too. Yeah,
5: and that's and that's and that's something that you would think, Mary, that you could sell to Republicans as a free market solution. Let's just let the insurance well, companies do this. They're not
1: really into free market. I know. Only whenever it really works. I know. know.
5: I know. But it's you know, it's, <laughs> so it's their a, sales We have
1: pitch. A, a a party of hypocrites. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, so okay, all right. Well, thank you I'm for your you. time.
5: Thank you, Mary. It's nice to hear okay. from you. I appreciate the call, Mark in Costa Mesa, California. Hey, Mark. Thanks for listening to the Tom Hartman app. What's up? Okay.
8: Thanks for what you do, Tom. Um, I, uh, just to follow up on, uh, on on Mark that was on about 25 minutes ago, uh, I, I I think that you know, if if uh, Trump is convicted, he will uh, and he goes to jail. He's going to have a group of people that that are that can go out to their group and uh, you know put and put away anybody that Trump is uh, upset about. And um, he, he'll be he'll be like a mob boss in jail, and also he's going to make a lot of money. He's going to make you know hundreds of millions of dollars with his poor me tactics that right. he that he that yeah. victimhood. He
5: puts and let's not forget the Bavarian government when Trump tried to uh, when uh, Trump when Hitler tried to overthrow them in 1923. The Bavarian government threw him in jail for about a year, and he got stronger as a result of that.
8: Yeah, and and. Yeah, and also, you know, uh, Which is not to say we shouldn't throw Trump
5: in jail. It's just like a, a cautionary, yeah. you know, don't I, I don't do what he, they did.
8: I think that I think that he, think that he needs to go to solitary confinement because he's too dangerous. He's already got people uh, that. Uh, that are trying to go after him right now. That I think yeah. they're in trouble. We have to pay a well, lot. Well, one money. advantage
5: of putting him in jail would be, you know, I mean, when Don Siegelman was in jail, he came on this program and they punished him by putting him in solitary for a couple of months. And so, yeah, there are ways to deal with recalcitrant politicians. Oh, welcome back, Tom Harmon, here with you and David in Leadwood, Missouri. Hey, David, what's on your mind?
6: Hey, Tom, how are you? Good. What's on your hey, mind? Uh, you know with the police reform thing, I was talking to my cousin who's a retired criminal defense lawyer, and I said, you know, to him I said, there's got to be a general law that pol- that protects the police because, you know, a policeman can lie to you, but if you lie to them, you can be arrested for lying to them. Right. And this puts a whole persona on the police and they've got to feel a little guilty that they, they Which raises a
5: really interesting question David. I mean lying to police, lying to people that they have uh that they're interrogating or that they have arrested. We're seeing how you know uh all of England is horrified that Martin Bashir when he was working for BBC, you know, 30 or 20 years ago, something like that, lied to Princess Diana freaked her out, caused her not to trust her own security detail, and it was one of the things that arguably led to her death. Um, you know, why do we allow police to lie to citizens? Why is that, know, my, why is that my cousin, at, in law?
6: My it's routine. Says, there is a law, he says. It's a vague law federally, but it's backed up locally. Oh, the Supreme Court the has
5: backed it up. The Supreme Court has ruled that it is legal for cops to lie to, to
6: civilians. And the most times that they do this is when people are suspect in something and it keeps them from having to get uh, false arrest, you know, charges. Well, I think they also
5: do it to promote plea deals. You know, they, they will say, say they've got some kind of circumstantial evidence that, you know, that Joe uh, was involved in breaking into that liquor store but they have no actual proof. They, can't, they couldn't right. actually take it into court and convict him. So what they yeah, do is I they don't... sit him down and they say, well, here's the circumstantial evidence. You know, you were seen down the street. Uh, we've got, you know, somebody seeing you driving away. Um, and then they'll make up a lie, and they'll say, and there's video footage inside the store that shows a guy that looks just like you sticking him up, which is a complete lie. At that point, uh, George, whether he's guilty or not, Says, holy crap! There's no way I can get that past a jury. I'll just plead de- I, You know, I'll take a year in jail rather than t- than ten, and I'll plead this out. I think that's one of the reasons that more than ninety-five percent of all criminal cases in America are pled out. I, you know, you wonder how much of that has to do with cops and district attorneys lying to people who are, you know, who have gotten themselves caught up in the criminal justice system. I
6: think it's a major thing that has to be included in the police reform bills
5: yeah i' I'm, I'm with you. I, I am completely you, with you. Thank you, David. Mary in St. Paul, Minnesota. Hey, Mary, what's on your mind?
3: Yeah, I just wanted to tell a story about a family uh, friend that was at our house when I was about twelve, and that he was a police officer, and he sat and told us that they thought he thought they should line up all the inward in the alley and shoot them Wow and and just floored me. you know I was only twelve, and I knew better than that. It just sort of set me off on a course of, you know, realizing the discrimination that's out there and, yeah. in the police department.
5: Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, there's all this hysteria about white, white supremacists trying to infiltrate the police. Sorry. Uh, being, a, being a cop is an authoritarian position, and authoritarian personalities are drawn to it. And white supremacy and authoritarian personalities are, you know, basically the same thing. Uh, Mary, thank you for the call. Mike in Marietta, Georgia. Hey, Mike, what's up?
4: Hello, Tom. Hey. Got a situation where you've got two Republican laws that come into conflict. What if you're in a car driving home, there's a policeman pulls you over, and you're thinking about, I'm afraid the stand your ground law will protect me, and I've got this gun on the seat next to me because I'm in Texas, and anybody can get a gun for any reason in Texas.
5: Yeah, under this new law that Greg Abbott just passed.
4: I'm afraid I'm armed, and...
5: The problem is, Mike, the stand your ground laws do not apply to police. You may not stand your ground relative to the police.
4: It's... Our county commission chair was followed one night by a black car. She's a young black lady, and the lights were off. She couldn't tell what was there, and she was afraid. And it took a couple phone calls to the chief of police saying, somebody is following me. I'm scared to death. He made a few calls. He goes, oh, never mind. That's a policeman. She didn't know it was a policeman till later. Right. We end up with a situation where a policeman gets injured by a citizen who decides to
5: stand their ground. Right. That defense won't work, though, for that citizen. Um, I know of no cases where somebody has gotten off from killing a cop by saying, I was afraid. Do you?
4: We didn't. The county commission chair didn't know it was a police person that was following her. It was at night. No, I get this. She was
5: frightened. And and let's say she pulled out a a gun and started shooting at the car. (laughs) You know, it's like... Uh, she, she would end up, she'd spend years in prison for that. I mean, there, there is no stand your ground exception to police. And even, even if you don't know that they're police. And, and the Supreme Court is fairly clear about this. Mike, I get what you're saying. And, and, I, and I do get that these two laws seem to be in collision with each other, but, but police have carved out such a whole separate area. This is why I think there has to be civilian oversight of police all across the country. Now, I don't know if that's part of the George Floyd stand, uh, you know, Pol- Justice and Policing Act, but if it's not, it should be. What do you got? Tom Hartman here with you, Pam in Chicago. Hey, Pam, what's on your mind today?
1: So much. And then listening to the uh, callers and just getting information. George Floyd, his murder, and the many others, Tom, it leaves an impression. It's almost, you can't really express it in words. Being a black woman here in Chicago, I'm at a point now with the police, Tom, and I've said this to you before, my senior citizen relatives do not want the police called in the event that there is some type of trouble. Right. That's dangerous in itself. Yep. So when we talk about racism and all that this has done, I'd like to think I'm trying to express something so that people get it. Because I'm serious about racism and speaking about it. I don't sugarcoat it. It's not uncomfortable for me. It is up to the white community to eradicate racism. Yep. And it's not about me hating white people, because it seems like when we talk like this, we're militant or something is wrong. No, you all have to make the effort to do that. Now, you had one caller who said, make America great again. Tom, America was great for whom?
5: Exactly.
1: Because I want people to really reflect and think about those statements. You had your previous caller, talk about racism and bringing quality through increasing the minimum wage or maybe universal income. But here's the thing, Tom, we've been able to compete. But if the opportunity doesn't present itself because of racism, then that's a whole nother element. Mm-hmm. So if we take the opportunity to get the education, are we going to get the job? Or are we not going to get a call back with our resume because it's from a specific zip code? Or I have a last name that sounds black. I mean, these are the the macro and microaggressions the larger majority has to get. And I'm going to offer this. We cannot truly heal until you talk about some type of reconciliation and contrition. I remember Dr. Cornell West stating that the one thing that Germany got right is there was some contrition. Mm Mm-hmm about the holocaust
5: and the same with that south africa
1: e- yes and that doesn't exist in this country yet and i don't know if it ever will so i'm telling people tom i hope i can do this pbs had um a documentary it was a trilogy rust and it was just referring to the rust belt r-u-s-t mm-hmm. and tom it's so eloquently presented about the enslavement of black people the economic advantages to this country, then it took it through to FDR, all the things that the white community benefited from, Mm -hmm. all the programs that we didn't. So I want to help white America really get an education so that they can really come to some real conclusions and see how this country was built for you and continues to benefit. And it's not about hating it is about we're trying to coexist in peace, like our ancestors, like the civil rights organizations taught us, like Dr. King taught us. And so I, I'm just asking, white America, you've got to, to to learn the history. You've got to do that, or else you really won't come to an understanding. Racism was profitable for this country. This Still country is. was built on the enslavement. Yes the indentured slave men, immigrants paying low wages to immigrants. It was built on that. So, Tom, I'm just asking, you know, as they tell us, black people, we've got to go to school, get the education. You all go to a real school of black history and get this information. And you continue, Tom, also to bring on guests who talk about this. Because yeah. that uh,
5: is important. Absolutely all about that. I realize that the majority of my audience is white. I think you're absolutely right. This is a white person's problem. This is a black person's problem, but it's created by white people. It's and gonna, if
1: you hate me and think I'm inferior, then you have to question yourself as to why. Because you exactly. know that is not true exactly. with the accomplishments of black people. Exactly. You know those two things cannot exist in the same space.
5: Yep. And so we've got a lot of work to do, Pam, you and me.
1: Tom, we absolutely do. And all I'm asking is, uh, because the violence perpetrated on us by the police, it is, um, I, I, don't, I can't even describe it, what it's presenting to us. But what I would like, and I, I'll end with this, the George Floyd Act, Tom, there has to be, that's a start, but we have to talk about removing and identifying some of the racist elements on these police forces. Yes. just like they vetted for joe biden you have to vet this entire country all of law law
5: like they did with the secret service i'm with you pam thank you it's always nice to hear from you and you always get right to the point i appreciate that thank you very much